Hello, and welcome to Teacher in Zion Podcast, a podcast for Christians, Mormons, ex-Mormons, and other Book of Mormon believers, or anyone questioning their faith or the church, with an emphasis on seeking the truth wherever it leads, but especially in gaining a closer relationship with Jesus Christ. I'm your host, Doug Hatton, and this is episode 18 of the podcast, the end of a three-part series on David Whitmer's address to all believers in Christ. At the conclusion of this series, I will have only covered about 50% of the text. I tried to hit the highlights I felt were most important. His address so can be purchased in printed form or can be read online for free if you would like to read the whole thing, do some study, and pray about it. Without further delay, let's jump into what Whitmer has to say, and then I'll have some comments to finish up. Whitmer writes, When Christ came into this world, the doctrine of a one-man leader to the church was not taught by him. At the present time, we are under the teachings of Christ in the written word, and his teachings to us, the Book of Mormon plainly tells us, are to be made known in the records of the Jews, that's the Bible, and the Nephite record, the Book of Mormon. All men must come to Christ according to the words which shall be established by Christ, and his words shall be made known in the Nephite records and in the Bible. So the Book of Doctrine and Covenants must be laid down. Brethren, this scripture is very plain, and I hope that none of you will attempt to wrest it to uphold the Book of Doctrine and Covenants. Then let us heed only the teachings of Christ which we have, and discard the teachings of Joseph Smith or any man or any angel which conflicts with Christ's teaching in the Bible and in the Book of Mormon. And when more of the words of Christ come forth in the way that it is appointed to come from the sealed records, then we will heed it also. There is nothing in the New Testament part of either the Bible or the Book of Mormon concerning a one-man leader or head to the church. Whoever claims that such an office should be in the church today goes beyond the teachings which Christ has given us. As I have stated, we were strictly commanded in the beginning to rely upon that which was written, and he who goes beyond that which is written to the revelations of Joseph Smith to establish any order or doctrine in the church must come under the head of those whom Christ spoke of when he said, Whosoever teaches more or less is not of me. This alone should satisfy anyone who is not trusting in the arm of flesh. Who was prophet, seer, and revelator to the church at Jerusalem? They had none. Who was the prophet, seer, and revelator to the church upon this land? They had none. And we had no such an office in the church in these last days for the first eight months of its existence until Brother Joseph went into this error on April 6, 1830. In a few years, those revelations were changed to admit this high office, which otherwise would have condemned it. They were changed to mean something entirely different from the way they were first given and printed in the Book of Commandments, as if God had not thought of this great and important office when he gave those revelations. Yet in the face of the written word of God, and in the face of all this evidence, the majority of Latter-day Saints will still cling to the revelations of Joseph Smith and measure the written word of God by them instead of measuring Joseph Smith and his revelations by the written word. 
speaking after the manner of Paul to the Galatians, So I say to you, O foolish Latter-day Saints, I marvel that you are so soon removed from him that called you into the grace of Christ unto another gospel, which is not another, but the same gospel which some have perverted. And though we, or an angel from heaven, or Joseph Smith, preach any other gospel unto you than that which Christ gave us in the beginning, receive it not. Galatians 1, 6-9 In the church of Christ at Jerusalem, and upon this land, the members all receive the revealed will of God for themselves, through the various gifts of the Holy Ghost, by dreams, visions, the visitations of angels, the gift of prophecy, through themselves or any brother, and the Holy Ghost that was in them, always discerning whether the revelation was of God or not. They had no prophet, seer, and revelator to go to when they desired to know the will of the Lord concerning them. They went to the Lord themselves, sometimes alone, and sometimes several of them together in fasting and prayer. Of course, I believe that God reveals his will to his servants in these last days, just as in the days of old. But I believe in it according to the scriptures of divine truth. In the church upon the eastern continent, after Christ had ascended to his Father's throne and left the work with his disciples to carry on, they went to God for themselves, each and all of them receiving the will of God by the various gifts of the Holy Ghost. Paul, Peter, Barnabas, Philip, and others went here and there preaching, every one receiving revelations from God for themselves by dreams, visions, the gift of prophecy, etc., they had no head of the church on earth to go to. Christ told them that the Holy Ghost, the Comforter, that would abide with them and with all his disciples, would guide them and lead them into all truth and show them things to come. If any man lacks wisdom and desires to know the will of the Lord concerning himself, let him ask of God himself, and not ask the prophet, seer, and revelator to inquire of the Lord for him. Brethren, this high office, as you have it, is of far more importance than any other office in the church. Now, do you not suppose that if Christ meant for such an office to be in the church today, that full instructions would not have been given in his teachings about it? As you know, we were commanded in the beginning to rely upon that which is written. Such an office in Christ's teachings in either book is not even mentioned. But I need not rehearse the matter. I cannot make it any more plain. As I have said, you have the scriptures before you, and if you arrest them, it shall be to your own destruction. This matter of a one-man mouthpiece of God to the church has proven the great curse of the work of the Lord in these last days. It is through this instrumentality that Satan has many thousand souls deluded. In June 1829, Joseph Smith, Oliver Cowdery, and myself received this commandment through the Yearman Thummim. Quote, Behold, I give unto you a commandment that you rely upon the things which are written, speaking of the records that they had at that time in June of 1829. For in them are all things written concerning my church, my gospel, and my rock. This revelation reads this way today in the old book of commandments. But the Latter-day Saints changed it in 1834 to read different in the Book of Doctrine and Covenants. 
the revelations received through the Urim and Thummim in 1829 agree with the teachings of Christ in the Bible and in the Book of Mormon. But in order to support the errors which were afterwards introduced by men, some of the early revelations have been changed and added to. In order to uphold these errors, your leaders claim that as the Book of Mormon is an abridgment of the Nephite records containing only a small part of the things which Christ said and did, that it does not contain all of the doctrines, laws, and ordinances or offices which Christ meant to have in the church. Therefore, Brother Joseph's revelations are needed to establish other doctrines, laws, ordinances, and offices that Christ left out of the Book of Mormon in the Bible. Oh, the weakness and folly of man! You have changed the revelations from the way they were first given, and as they are today in the Book of Commandments, in order to support the error of Brother Joseph in taking upon himself office of seer to the church. You have changed the revelations to support the error of high priests. You have changed the revelations to support the error of the president of the high priesthood, high counselors, etc., you have altered the revelations to support you in going beyond the plain teachings of Christ in the New Covenant part of the Book of Mormon. You have changed and altered the revelations to support the error of publishing those revelations in the book, the errors you are in. Revelations have been changed to support and uphold them. You who are now living did not change them. But you who strive to defend these things are as guilty in the sight of God as those who did change them. Publishing the early revelations, or any of them, was contrary to the will of the Lord, as I will show you from the revelations themselves. The revelations in the Book of Commandments up to June of 1829 were given through the Urim and Thummim, through which the Book of Mormon was translated. These are the only revelations that can be relied upon. And they are not law. The Lord told us not to teach them for doctrine. They were given mostly to individuals, the persons whom God chose in commencing his work for their individual instruction. And the church had no need of them. They should have been kept with the sacred papers and records of the church and never published in a book to become public property for the eyes of the world. It was not necessary for the whole church to ever see them. The written word is full on all matters pertaining to the Church of Christ. Of course, I believe in God revealing his will to his servants in these last days by the various gifts of the Holy Ghost. But I believe in it according to the scriptures. In the revelations themselves are positive commands to keep these things from the world, that they are sacred. A revelation was given to Oliver Cowdery in April of 1829 in which he is told that he would be granted a gift to translate even as my servant Joseph. And it warned him as follows, Remember, it is sacred, and cometh from above. Trifle not with sacred things. Make not thy gift known unto any, save it be those who are of thy faith. But they published these things in a book, and made them known to the world. In a revelation to Martin Harris concerning endless punishment are these words, Quote, and I command you that you preach not but repentance, and show not these things, neither speak these things to the world, for they cannot bear meat, but milk they must receive. Wherefore, they must not know these things, lest they perish. End quote. 
This revelation reads as I have quoted it in the Book of Commandments, but in the Doctrine and Covenants it has been changed to read thus, quote, Show not these things unto the world until it is wisdom in me, end quote. These words, until it is wisdom in me, were added to this revelation. You see, they had to add these words in order to publish the revelations. Judge for yourselves, brethren. I will make no further comments to magnify the errors of the leaders of the church. My policy throughout will be to speak of no more of their errors than is necessary in order to prove every false doctrine as being false, and establishing the doctrine of Christ as it is set forth in the written word. The main reason why the printing press was destroyed was because they published the Book of Commandments. It fell into the hands of the world, and the people of Jackson County, Missouri, saw from the revelations that they were considered by the church as intruders upon the land of Zion, as enemies to the church, and that they should be cut off out of the land of Zion and sent away. The people, seeing these things in the Book of Commandments, became the more enraged, tore down the printing press, and drove the church out of Jackson County. I will now tell you of a prophecy which the Lord gave through me to brothers Joseph Smith and Sidney Rigdon of what should come to pass if they printed those revelations. In the spring of 1832 in Hiram, Ohio, brothers Joseph and Sidney and others concluded that the revelations should be printed in a book. A few of the brethren, including myself, objected to it seriously. We told them that if the revelations were published, the world would get the book, and it would not do that it was not the will of the Lord that the revelations should be published. But brothers Joseph and Sidney would not listen to us, and said that they were going to send them to independence to be published. I objected to it, and withstood brother Joseph and Sidney to the face. Brother Joseph said as follows, quote, Any man who objects to having these revelations published shall have his part taken out of the tree of life and out of the holy city, end quote. The Spirit of God came upon me, and I prophesied to them in the name of the Lord, that if they sent those revelations to independence to be published in a book, the people would come upon them and tear down the printing press, and the church would be driven out of Jackson County. Brothers Joseph and Sidney laughed at me. Early in the spring of 1833 at Independence, Missouri, the revelations were printed in the Book of Commandments. Many of the books were finished and distributed among the members of the church, and through some of the unwise brethren, the world got hold of some of them. From that time, the ill feeling toward us began to increase, and in the summer of 1833, the mob came upon us, tore down the printing press, and drove the church out of Jackson County. Brothers Joseph and Sidney then saw that I did have some of the Spirit of God after my prophecy had been fulfilled. To show you that Brother Joseph and myself still loved each other as brethren after this, I will tell you that he had so much confidence in me that July of 1834 that he ordained me his successor as prophet, seer, and revelator to the church. He did this of his own free will and not at any solicitation whatsoever on my part. I did not know what he was going to do until he laid his hands upon me and ordained me. Now bear in mind, brethren, that I am not claiming this office. As I have told you, I do not believe in any such office of the church. I was then in error in believing that there was such an office in the church of Christ. I suppose this is news to many of you, that Brother Joseph ordained me his successor, but it is in your records 
And there are men now living who were present at that council of elders when he did it in the camp of Zion on Fishing River, Missouri, July 1834. This is why many of the brethren came to me after Brother Joseph was killed and importuned me to come out and lead the church. I refused to do so. Christ is the only leader and head of his church. Some of the revelations as they now are in the Book of Doctrine and Covenants have been changed and added to, some of the changes being of the greatest importance as the meaning is entirely changed on some very important matters, as if the Lord had changed his mind a few years after he gave the revelations. And when the Book of Commandments was printed, Joseph and the church received it as being printed correctly. This I know. In the winter of 1834, they saw that some of the revelations in the Book of Commandments had to be changed, because the heads of the church had gone too far, and they had done things in which they had already gone ahead of some of the former revelations. So the Book of Doctrine and Covenants was printed in 1835, and some of the revelations changed and added to. An important change I will speak of is made in a revelation which was given to brothers Joseph Smith, Oliver Cowdery, and myself in Fayette, New York, June of 1829. I was present when brother Joseph received it. It is chapter 15 of the Book of Commandments, or section 16 of the Doctrine and Covenants. In the Book of Commandments, it reads thus, quote, Behold, I give unto you a commandment that you rely upon the things which are written, for in them are all things written concerning my church, my gospel, and my rock. Wherefore, if you shall build up my church and my gospel and my rock, the gates of hell shall not prevail against you. End quote. But in the book of Doctrine and Covenants, it has been changed and reads thus, quote, Behold, I give unto you a commandment that you rely upon the things which are written, for in them are all things written concerning the foundation of my church, my gospel, and my rock. The change in this revelation is of great importance. The word, the change in this revelation is of great importance. The word them refers to the plates, the Book of Mormon. We were commanded to rely upon it in building up the church, that is, in establishing the doctrine and the order of offices, etc. For, quote, in them are all things written concerning my church my gospel, and my rock, end quote. But this revelation has been changed by man to mean as follows, that therein is not all things written concerning the church, but only all things concerning the foundation, or in other words, the beginning of the church, that you must build up the church beginning according to the written word, but then add new offices, new ordinances, and new doctrines. I was present when Brother Joseph received this revelation. I am one of the persons to whom it was given. Therefore, I know of a surety that it was changed when printed in the Doctrine and Covenants in 1834. Likewise, concerning all these changes of which I speak, I know that these changes were made. I was present when nearly all of these revelations were received. The next change I will notice is one of importance. It is section 4 of the Doctrine and Covenants, or chapter 4 of the Book of Commandments. Half of a page has been left out of this revelation. I believe that the object of those who left it out was to strike out these following words. Quote, and thus, if the people of this generation harden not their hearts, I will work a reformation among them, and I will put down all lines, etc. 
and I will establish my church like unto the church which was taught by my disciples in the days of old. They knew that the order of offices in the Church of Latter-day Saints was not like the order of the Church of Christ of old. So they left out this part of the revelation when they published the Book of Doctrine and Covenants. End quote. David Whitmer asked us to take a look at the Church of Christ of old, and then said, quote, The Church of Latter-day Saints, with its many offices, doctrines, and ordinances, which were not in the Church of Christ of old, is a very different church, a different order throughout. This is plain to be seen. Why, oh why, will you continue to trust in the man who has erred and introduced doctrines of error into the Church of Christ? Why will you continue in blindness? But modern Israel is no better than ancient Israel. Man will not walk humbly before God and abide in his ordinances, although he has given them his word in great plainness. You are in spiritual blindness, and you know it not. I want to tell you, brethren, that when the Book of Doctrine and Covenants was published and presented to the Church Assembly in Kirtland, Ohio, in August of 1835, as recorded in the old church papers, a very few of the brethren then knew about most of the important changes that had been put into the Book of Doctrine and Covenants. In time, it was generally found out, and the result was that some of the members left the Church on account of it. A few members dissented from the church as early as 1832 on account of spiritual blindness of some of the leaders. When it became generally known that these important changes had been made in the Doctrine and Covenants, many of the brethren objected seriously to it, but they did not want to say much for the sake of peace, as it was Brother Joseph and the leaders who did it. The majority of the members, poor weak souls, thought that anything Brother Joseph would do must be all right. So in their blindness of heart and trusting in the arm of flesh, they looked it over and were led into error. And finally, all talk about it ceased. I was told that Sidney Rigdon was the cause of those changes being made. By smooth talk, he convinced Brother Joseph and that committee that it was all right. End quote. We will stop with Whitmer's address right there. Again, you can purchase a hard copy online, or you can read it online for free if you care to. Let me conclude this series by saying, some of these things are very hard to hear. They can weigh on a person, I understand. If our faith has been in a man or in the institutional church, then our faith, our very foundation, can be shaken. But if that is so, then was our faith then not directly in Christ as it should be? Some people might question what the good is of showing these errors. And some may think that it is tearing down instead of building up. But brothers and sisters, if these things are true, then it is even as the parable of the man who planted wheat in his field, and under the cover of darkness an enemy came and sowed tares in that same field. I believe this is the story of the restoration. God is the man who sowed wheat, even the good wheat of the fullness of the gospel, and the precious and plain doctrine of Christ, which we can know through the pages of the New Testament and in Third Nephi, the Book of Mormon. Satan is the enemy who planted falsehoods under the cover of darkness. That means it happened unseen by us. We didn't realize it right away. It would take some time. Only when the sun arises 
and the light of Christ and the Holy Spirit begin to illuminate the field of our doctrines and traditions, can we begin to realize that all is not right. The Apostle Paul made the statement to the Corinthians that they were not ignorant of Satan's devices. While we do not want to spend too much time focusing on Satan, we do need to be aware of what he is doing and how he accomplishes it, so that we can effectively deal with it and learn to overcome it, that we will no longer be as children tossed to and fro by every wind of doctrine. We must properly discern what is truly the teachings of Christ from what is not his teaching. If we accept the teachings of men or the devil as if they are the teachings of Christ, what hope do you have of overcoming Satan or being able to follow the straight and narrow path? Brothers and sisters, we can no longer afford to automatically accept the revelations of any man, regardless of who he is, without question. The coming forth of the Book of Mormon is important enough that it was prophesied in the Bible by both Ezekiel and in Isaiah. Both the Bible and the Book of Mormon say that these two records are to become one in our hand, prophesying of a two-in-one, not a three-in-one or a four-in-one. And within the Nephite record itself is written God's express purpose for bringing it forth, which includes helping the Gentiles to no longer stumble exceedingly if they would not reject or otherwise treat these things lightly. The Book of Mormon is prophesied to be the cure for this, taken from the Book of Commandments and a revelation that was given to Joseph Smith through the Yerman Thummim. It says that the saints are to rely upon the words written in the Book of Mormon, for in them are all things concerning my church, my gospel, and my rock, end quote. Second Nephi, chapter 11 of the RLDS, or chapter 27 of the LDS edition, goes on to tell us, in that day, when this record would go forth to the world, shall the deaf hear the words of the book, and the eyes of the blind shall see out of obscurity and out of darkness. And the meek also shall increase, and their joy shall be in the Lord. And the poor among men shall rejoice in the Holy One of Israel. And they also that erred in spirit shall come to understanding, and they that murmured shall learn doctrine. End quote. And again, in Second Nephi chapter 2, RLDS edition, or chapter 3, LDS edition, it mirrors what was written in Ezekiel and says, quote, Wherefore, the fruit of thy loins they shall write, and the fruit of the loins of Judah they shall write, and that which shall be written by the fruit of thy loins, and also that which shall be written by the fruit of the loins of Judah shall grow together, this is the Bible in the Book of Mormon, Becoming One. And it says, quote, Unto the confounding of false doctrines, and laying down of contentions, and establishing peace among the fruit of thy loins. End quote. On February 9th, 1831, the church received instruction, quote, And again, the elders, priests, and teachers of this church shall teach the principles of my gospel, which are in the Bible, and in the Book of Mormon, in which is the fullness of my gospel. That's Doctrine and Covenants 42 in both the RLDS and LDS editions. Think of what a mighty gift God had given mankind in the Book of Mormon. The truths contained in these two records 
the Bible and the Book of Mormon, when joined together and acted upon, are to confound false doctrines, lay down contentions, and establish peace among mankind. And yet we went on to print revelations that God expressly warned them not to print and make public. And even worse, men went on to even change some of the revelations that had been brought forth in purity through the Urim and Thummim. And before long, this new book, The Doctrine and Covenants, and all future teachings and doctrines, or in fine, the revelations of men, would completely overshadow this great gift of the Book of Mormon. So much so that the entire church fell under condemnation in 1832 for treating those things lightly. An early revelation given through Joseph Smith in 1828 and printed as RLDS Doctrine and Covenants Section 3 or LDS Section 10 states the following regarding the purpose of the Book of Mormon. Quote, and I will show unto this people that I had other sheep and that they were a branch of the house of Jacob. And I will bring to light their marvelous works, which they did in my name. Yea, and I will also bring to light my gospel, which was ministered unto them. And behold, they shall not deny that which you have received, but they shall build it up, and shall bring to light the true points of my doctrine, yea, the only doctrine which is in me. Behold, this is my doctrine. Whosoever repenteth and cometh unto me, the same is my church. Whosoever declareth more or less than this, the same is not of me, but is against me, therefore he is not of my church. Despite this warning, within only a few years they began to declare more than this as the doctrine of Christ. But after this early revelation was given, revealing the true doctrine of Christ, the Book of Mormon was translated, and its contents verified, and stood in agreement with the revelation given in 1828. Coming out of the Book of Mormon, 3rd Nephi, chapter 5 of the RLDS, or chapter 11 of the LDS, quote, Behold, verily, verily, I say unto you, I will declare unto you my doctrine, and this is my doctrine, and it is the doctrine which the Father has given to me. I bear record that the Father commandeth all men everywhere to repent and believe in me, and whoso believeth in me and is baptized, the same shall be saved. And they are they who shall inherit the kingdom of God. And whosoever believeth not in me, and is not baptized, shall be damned. Verily, verily, I say unto you, that this is my doctrine. And whosoever shall declare more or less than this, and establish it for my doctrine, the same cometh of evil. And the gates of hell standeth open to receive such. End quote. So the good news here is, that we as Gentiles can repent. We can repent and return to the gospel and the doctrine of Christ as fully revealed in the two records that God is causing to be joined together as one, and by freeing ourselves of the errors that have caused us to stumble and take serious the message of Christ and to be changed by it and transformed by Him, we can finally fulfill our calling and be numbered among the house of Israel and assist the seed of Lehi. And that is why God is, even now, setting his hand a second time to recover his people. What is he recovering them from? Dead religion, false doctrine, and the errors of idolatry. The words contained in the Bible and the Book of Mormon are sufficient for us to become a new creation in Christ and fully become his living body on earth fully unified according to the doctrine and gospel of Christ and by his Holy Spirit, 
not in word only, but walking in power and the Holy Ghost. We need nothing more than to do what is required to experience this mighty change in our hearts, die to self, and become a new creature in Christ. We can then truly be called His church, His body, His Zion. And then more records will come forth, and the new Jerusalem will be built up by the seed of Lehi. But we will not receive anything more until we stop treating the Book of Mormon and the gospel and the doctrine of Christ as somehow being too basic, as if we've already got that part down, and rather think it is time to move on to bigger and better things. If we think we already got it down, what cause have we to believe that? Is it because we have the book in our possession? Because we claim to believe it? Where are the signs of the believers? While we may mentally assent to these things as being true, it is not until we live it, even as the Lord told Joseph and the rest of the church in 1832, not only to say, but to do according to that which is written. For proof that this has not been done, I merely need to cast my eyes about, or cast them inward, and all the evidence we need can be found, revealing that we do not yet walk the walk. For the earnest expectation of the creature waiteth for the manifestations of the sons of God. People seek for other records. Claims of other records coming forth have been made. But we should not look for other records until we stop treating lightly what God has already given us. And as the Book of Mormon instructs us, when those other records do eventually come forth, it plainly states that those records will, quote, bear testimony to the truth of the first. End quote. We have been looking for mysteries, the greater things. But can we compare ourselves to someone like the Apostle Paul? And did he not write of one of the greatest mysteries that we can ponder, even Christ in us? So here is my great fear for the saints of the Restoration. Unfortunately, it is something that has already come to pass. It happened back in the 1830s and has continued to happen since then. We must come to understand that it is a sin, and we must repent or we will be swept off this land. So what I am about to share is a statement that runs parallel to something found in the Book of Mormon. Only the Book of Mormon wrote it about the Jews. But now I would compare ourselves to them. And this is the great fear I have, is that one day a record will be written in which the following words would be recorded. But behold, the Restoration Saints were a stiff-necked people and they despised the words of plainness, and dismissed the two records that God had given them as something far too simple, something lesser. And they sought instead for things that they could not understand. Wherefore, because of their blindness, which blindness came by looking beyond the mark, they must needs fall. For God hath taken away his plainness from them, and delivered unto them many things which they cannot understand, because they desired it. And because they desired it, God hath done it, that they may stumble. Until we repent of this, we are not moving forward. There is only one way to be reconciled to God, and have our very natures changed by Him, so that we can fulfill our calling and enter into the kingdom. If you have a desire to do this, then I wish to join you in that effort. I greatly enjoy hearing from our listeners, and would love to hear from you. If you wish to share something make a comment or ask a question, feel free to email me at teacherinzion at gmail.com. Until next time, 
God bless. Join us for discussion in our Facebook group, facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash hope of Zion or at our YouTube channel, Teacher in Zion. That's the word teacher, space, and in Zion spelled as one word. My books can be found at amazon.com forward slash author forward slash Douglas Hatton. That's H-A-T, like a hat on your head. T-E-N, like the number 10. Until next time.